from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School and we are on Sirius XM channel 111. Hey, you can give us a call right now at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Or you can tweet at Dr. Don Graham if you have any questions for today's show. If it's Thursday at noon Eastern time, we are live and taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. And we are here with the Dream Team. Dion and Michelle. And hey, if you give us a call today, wish Michelle a happy birthday because her birthday is this weekend. So happy birthday, Michelle. Woohoo! Thank you. <laughs> um, and so today we actually have a um, guest who I think you're going to love and was recommended by a listener. So one of our regular Career Talk listeners, Allison Forrest in Atlanta, recommended today's guest, and we want to welcome Abby Kohut to Career Talk. Abby, also known as Absolutely Abby because she tells job seekers the absolute truth, has held positions from corporate recruiter to senior director of recruiting over the past 22 years. And in 2009, Abby shifted her focus to concentrate on helping candidates land their dream jobs and has spoken to over 700 job search groups. In 2012, Abby was determined to educate 1 million job seekers and help America get back to work by launching a 35-state cross-country RV speaking tour, which you can learn more about at abbyacrossamerica.com. Welcome, Abby. Thank you, Dawn, and happy birthday, Michelle. Yes, happy birthday, Michelle. You're going to hear that all hour, Michelle. (laughs) So, okay, so I'm very excited to have you on the show. So one of our regular listeners um, recommended you, and you have such an interesting background. So you lived in an RV, which um, you've kind of coined RV across America, and you've gone to 35 states to speak at job search groups to teach them how to get a job. Tell us about that. That's so interesting. Sure. Well, I was a recruiter for 22 years, and as a recruiter, one of the problems is, and you know this, is one of the problems is that we cannot provide candidates with specific information about why they're not getting the position. And I hated that because I was put on this planet to help people. And so as a recruiter, I felt like I could only help the people I could hire. So I really felt badly for the people I couldn't hire. And so I decided to become absolutely Abby so I could start speaking the absolute truth. And that's what I did. And I was doing it in the New York metropolitan area. And I felt that I wanted to meet one million job seekers and teach one million job seekers how to find jobs. And it wasn't growing fast enough. So I decided that I would just take it, the show on the road, literally. And so I got myself an RV and started driving around the country. And so far, I've been to 35 states. And I've spoken to 700-plus job search groups, and I've, t- I've taught lots of people all my tips. I give them lots and lots of secrets, and that's what I do for a living. And it's just so much more fun for me than just being a regular recruiter. Yes, living in an RV and going and meeting people all across the country, that has to be quite the experience, Abby. So, hey, if you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and you're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111. And we are here with Absolutely Abby, who is on a mission to educate one million job seekers on how to get a job. Now, with your background, Abby, of being in recruiting for 22 years, you certainly have all of the the insider secrets to to teach people. So I know we're going to talk about a lot of those on today's show. So if you've always wanted to know what's going on behind the scenes in the hiring process, stay tuned. Or if you have a question about that, you can give us a call throughout the hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Birthday girl Michelle is taking your calls now. So what is one of the the maybe most common mistakes you see job seekers make as your, you know, your perspective from a recruiter? What is what is that thing that you're like, ah, oh, whatever you do, don't do this? Well, definitely don't come to an interview and tell people that you need a job. I want you to come to the interview and express your passion for the company, the job, and the industry. Tell us why you're really interested in this position. I feel like so many people have a difficulty explaining why. 
And I teach people this all the time about how to come up with the why. For example, let's say you are interviewing with a hospital. Don't tell them the reason why you want to get into healthcare is because it's a growing industry, because it is. However, tell them why you want to get into their hospital. Come up with some reasons, which you can find on the website. You can probably find it on Google. Come up with a reason why this hospital is the best one for you, and also come up why, with a reason why this position is the perfect one for you and tell them why on the interview. I so agree. Some passion. I so agree. Yeah. Um, as a recruiter, I heard that all the time. Like, so why do you want this job or why do you want to work here? And people are like, well, I'm really passionate about this company or I'm really passionate about this field. And, you know, I, you know, as a recruiter, we're that's nice, but we want to know why specifically this job, why specifically we want to know you're not papering the internet or the world with your resume and looking for just any job. So I agree. I call that that your career career story that answers to that question, why us, why now, why here? And I think if you don't have a succinct answer to that, that makes sense to the recruiter or hiring manager, you are going to get passed over for the job because you can have great skills. You can be even a a good fit for the company. But if they're not sure that you're really excited about this role, they're going to start to worry about, are you going to leave after six months if you find something better? And, And, you know, so it's really convincing them that this is the job you want. So how yeah. can people what, how can people start to think about that? Because I do think that's a very different way of thinking than most people. Um, th- most people don't go deep enough is what I really think, Abby. is like they say, I'm passionate about this or, yeah, the company has great reputation or healthcare is growing. And, and that's kind of the, the broad sweep. But how do people start to think about getting deeper to something that's more meaningful to answer that question? It's funny that you use the word deep because that's exactly what I say to people. I tell them to dig deep. It's really funny that you said it, but it's really true. So you just have to think about this company, and you have to think about what is my personal attraction to this company? Why do I want to work for this company? You just have to read their website. You have to look at their press releases. You have to look on Twitter, look on Facebook, look on LinkedIn, look for everything you can find about them and figure out what it is that's personally interesting you about this company And then look at other hospitals, let's say. Let's say it's a hospital. Look at other hospitals. Think of why you wouldn't want to work for other hospitals, perhaps. Maybe that will help you find your why. Yeah, and really... One of the questions I've always asked, Abby, is, you know, why us over our, you know, biggest competitor? So, and you know, depending on the company I was at at the time, I would say, why us over, you know, X? And that really stunned a lot of people because they probably did apply to X as well if they're looking to get into the industry, but they hadn't thought about that. And I think that's a really good way to think about it. Why this over the other competitor? Even if you're applying to them, they probably have a different culture. Maybe they have a different... um, team makeup. Maybe they're in different geographies. I mean, there's got to be something that differentiates them because they're two different companies. Absolutely. And you can figure it out if you just spend the time to work on your why. Just really spend some good amount of time, even just like an hour. Say for an hour, I'm going to come up with my best why. And I really think if you get that why, it's going to be much easier to sell at least the recruiter on why they should recommend you to a hiring manager. Because, as you said, we want people that want to stay with the company, not just people that are going to come here for a year. We want to know you're going to stay with us for a long time. And if you love the company, why on earth wouldn't you stay there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're making me think about, like, you know, have this conversation with your four-year-old. I want to work for this company. Why? Well, because it's a growing field. Why? Well, because <laughs> why? Why? Like, get in that conversation where, where you know, you get down so deep that you're like, I don't have an answer anymore, um, because that's where you're going to find your key answer. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And if you're not already following me on Twitter, at Dr. Don Graham, you want to do that to get some great career advice right into your Twitter feed. We're here with Absolutely Abby, who can be found at Abby Across America, who has gone on a mission to educate 1 million job seekers, sharing all of her behind-the-scenes tips. So we're talking a little bit about um, how or what are some of the common mistakes job seekers make. So if you have a question you've always wanted to ask a recruiter, or maybe you've had a question that you're, you're not getting the, the responses you want from recruiters, we want to help. 
844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, we are live taking your calls right now, 844-942-7866. Or you can also tweet at Dr. Don Graham. So what are some other common mistakes? So the why is huge. I agree with you. I think there are three things that an employer is going to look for. One are the skills. If you get to the interview, you probably have the skills. Two is the fit. So do you fit with the culture and your work style? And the third one is... Abby, is that why? Okay, so why us? So I think it's a huge piece. What are some other common mistakes job seekers are making? Well, I'll tell you what. People think that HR people don't read cover letters. So they're just clicking the apply online button, and they're sending their resume into the abyss. And here's the problem with that. Everybody else is doing the same exact thing. So if you don't write a terrific cover letter, then you're just like everybody else. So I teach people to write a really strong cover letter and get that in there. Now, a lot of times the company is not even asking for the cover letter, but what you can do is you can paste your cover letter on the bottom of your resume and send it in that way and call the document Abby's Cover Letter and Resume. Now, if your name's not Abby, I would probably call it your own name. But send in cover letter. <laughs> good, and good tip, Abby. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we have to make sure we have that clear. But yeah, so send that in and get that cover letter in and make sure that recruiters see it. Because I'm telling you, Don, I've had so many people. I have this what I call my strong cover letter template. And lately, I've been hearing about lots of job seekers that have been using it, and it's really working. People are calling them and saying, I called you because I really loved your cover letter. Why? Because no one else is sending cover letters. So they're definitely reading it. Yep. And um, one thing I will say is people have been kind of seduced into this, like no one's reading cover letters because the stats are out there that say, oh, maybe 17% read cover letters. But here's what I will tell you as a recruiter, that if I like your resume, I am going to go back and read your cover letter. I probably won't read it first. But if I like your resume, I want to say, okay, I want to know a little bit more about you. I want to know why this job. I want to know why you applied. And if it's not there, now you're at a slight disadvantage because, again, we make assumptions as human beings. And my assumption is, well, you're papering the world with your resume, but you didn't care enough to write a personalized cover letter. Or if it's just some generic cover letter that doesn't name the company that doesn't talk about any specifics of the job, then I'm going to say, well, again, you're just, you're not really, that why, Abby, right? That why is missing. So where can people find that template that you mentioned, um, Abby? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. I actually set up a special email address for everybody that everybody that's listening today, and it's really easy to remember. It's just xm at absolutelyabby.com, xm for series xm. So it's just xm at absolutelyabby.com, and Abby is A-B-B-Y. There's no E. And if you just send that in, your cover letter template is going to bounce right back at you, and you can use it to create your own personalized cover letters. Woohoo! Woohoo! Make your personalized cover letters. Hey, we're going to go to Neil in Arizona. Neil, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Great show. Learned so much on this show every Thank week. Thank you, Neil. And, uh, I have two college kids ready to hit the workforce and stuff, and I've listened to the show about algorithm this and algorithm that when you're applying for jobs, and I'm just wondering how much should the kids kind of have verbiage on their resume that kind of matches at least like the job requirement? And I'm really talking about, you know, simple stuff like proficient in Excel and Word and team player and stuff. Do you need a lot of – should you have a lot of the verbiage – on like the job requirement on your resume besides your experience and all that kind of stuff so that that helps pick it up at all? So yeah, Neil, I think you're talking about applicant tracking systems. So when you send your resume into a, a company or apply online, um, often there's this thing called the applicant tracking system, which companies have put in place because once the online job search picked up you know, two decades ago, whenever it was like, oh, my God, we can't handle the hundreds of resumes that are coming through. So we need a machine that's going to weed out the ones that don't seem to be a good fit. Now, the interesting thing about applicant tracking systems is that they can be programmed in a lot of different ways. And uh, exactly like you're talking about, Neil, they can be programmed for keywords and things of that nature. And sometimes they're too sensitive 
and they get rid of 95% of the resumes. So it's an interesting thing and why we always say if you can get somebody inside to hand your resume or send your resume to the recruiter or hiring manager, that's a really key way to get around that system. But I'm going to toss it over to, to Abby to answer the specific question you're asking, which is, um, I think, if you put lots of keywords that align with the job description, is this going to up your chances that your resume is going to be seen by human eyes? Absolutely, Neil. If you put the words on the resume, that will definitely help your chances of being seen. But here's a little secret that I share with my listeners is that if you multiply your keywords, in other words, if on the job description it says Microsoft Excel, the first thing is you want to put the word Microsoft Excel. Because if you just put the word Excel, the recruiter is not typing in Excel because that's going to bring up excellent and that's going to bring up someone excels at something. So you need to put either Microsoft or MS in front of Excel. But also, if you can get that word Excel, Microsoft Excel, on your resume multiple times, you will show up higher in the applicant tracking system because every applicant tracking system is looking by keywords. Now, the interesting so, thing, though, yeah. um, and I think that's a, that's a great secret, Abby. The interesting thing is, I, I mean, I think it's like now it feels like you have to write a resume for the um, machine and you have to write a resume for for the human. Because if you put Microsoft Excel on your resume 20 times, then all of a sudden I'm reading this as a human saying, what? <laughs> like, man, this, this job requires Microsoft Excel, but it's not the core piece of it. So, um, Abby, how do you recommend getting around that? So I would say my advice is three to five times, but not don't make it silly. So what I tell people is if you if you use Microsoft Excel in three different jobs, then what you do is you say in, in each job, you can say using Microsoft Excel, I blah, blah, blah. So that's how you weave it in. So you're not just spreading. You're not just pasting Microsoft Excel 20 times in a row. Not like that. You're just weaving it into an obvious place on your resume. So you might have a section called computer skills, and you can put it in there. And if you use Microsoft Excel three times in different jobs, you can put it in there. You can also put it in your summary once. But that's if you believe that Microsoft Excel is one of the key words. Now, Neil mentioned team player. That's not a key word. That's not a word that recruiters think is going to remove candidates. That, the keywords are used usually to remove candidates because we have thousands of them. And we want to reduce the size, so we'll put in a term that we don't think everybody's going to have. So like PowerPoint, for example, not everybody has PowerPoint. So, But team player, everybody has team player on their resume. That's why we would never use that as a keyword. So even if you see it in the job description, it doesn't mean it's a keyword. Mm -hmm. And and the other interesting thing, Abby, that um, I'm sure you've seen this too, is that sometimes job descriptions are just recycled and it's not even what they're really looking for. So again, I I get that there are some jobs that you're going to apply online and that, that strategy, Neil, is going to be an important one. But I would Definitely encourage um, your children to network, to reach out, to get people who are in the companies that they're interested in and put their resume in front of people because this will most likely guarantee that they at least get an interview and an opportunity to be seen because some of these applicant tracking systems can be so sensitive that if you format the resume differently or if it's in a you know PDF or Word or whatever that it's programmed to kind of weed out that they don't get seen. So you can definitely put a lot of effort into applying online thinking, wow, wow, I applied to 50 jobs today when, in fact, maybe 10% of those resumes are going to be seen by a human being. So it's it's kind of a lot of effort for not necessarily a lot of return on investment. Thank you so much. Good luck to your kids in this this job search. The summer is coming, and lots and lots of college kids are going to be out there looking. Network, network, get real-life experience. Um, we're going to go to Chris in Iowa. Chris, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Oh, hi. Thanks for taking the call. Hi. Um, question for you is, uh, I, I get I already have a job, um, luckily, but I get a lot of LinkedIn requests from recruiters and headhunters that I don't know. Um, and I'm sometimes at a spot where I'm like, well, should I, should I accept them? Why are they asking me? Are they just trying to build their own network? And I'm just looking for some guidance. Um, what do you think? Very relevant question, Chris. So um, can you tell us what you do? 
Uh, I'm a financial services sales representative. Okay, so um, this is super common. And the question is, do I, how do I know they're legit? How should I respond? Um, and I think one of the first things you want to do when anybody reaches out to you who you don't know is do some research. Do they have a website? Do they have, you know, look at their LinkedIn contacts? Are they connected to people who you would be connected to? Um, is is the email generic or is it is it targeted towards you? Did they really look at your background and say, hey, Chris, these are some of the reasons we're looking to reach out. Did they offer to speak with you for 15 minutes or did they just ask for your resume? Because if they're just asking for your resume and they're not looking to to build a little bit of a relationship and a rapport, chances are they're looking at your resume to build their database to get good clients on the other side. Abby, what is your experience in this area? Well, I believe that you should probably accept many of the LinkedIn recruiters' requests. And the only reason is that they might have other jobs, like so that you might not see all the jobs that they have available. They don't necessarily tell you everything on their LinkedIn profile. So I think I would give them the benefit of the doubt, most of, unless it looks like somebody that hasn't been doing recruiting for very long, or unless it's completely out of out of your field. But I do want to say that the larger your network, the more likely a recruiter will find you on LinkedIn. So if your network is teeny tiny with five, with like 50 people in it, you probably want to accept connection requests from recruiters to get your network to be larger. And really, recruiters have huge networks. So if you connect to recruiters, you're connected to their connections and their connections connections. So like for me, you can all send me a LinkedIn invitation. I'd be happy to accept it. I've got 14,000 first-level connections. So if you connect to me, that means that so many more people are going to be able to see your profile. So I really would consider accepting recruiters' invitations, even if you don't know them. Just consider it. Chris, read into that. Connect with Abby via LinkedIn. <laughs> so, uh, But do send a personalized message so she knows where you found her. So interestingly... Um, this is something, Abby, that I think has changed over the years. I think when um, we initially had LinkedIn, it became kind of like our Rolodex of, of contacts. But over the past few years, it's become a way to market ourselves. It's been come a way to get to second level and third level contacts. So, so I feel like things have shifted to, um, yeah, only accept people with whom you have a relationship to except everybody, because now you have these second-level contacts and, and their contacts and things of that nature. So it's it's interesting how LinkedIn is changing in that way. Um, so what Chris was asking is a really, really good question is, who should I connect with? One thing I think a lot of people don't know is that if you want to, uh, you can hide your contacts or your connections from others so that they can't see them if that's one of your concerns that they're trying to get to your contacts or things of that nature. So LinkedIn has a lot of different tips and tricks that you can use, but definitely with people reaching out, recruiters reaching out, it's it's hard to know who's legit and who's not. And if you're in a job and you might be tempted, you know, I think you need to do a little bit of research before you just start start connecting with people for um, you know, from a recruiter standpoint. But I totally agree about the second level contact aspect on that one. So thank you, Chris, for giving us a call on Career Talk. We are taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And if you would like to get my weekly blog, you can go to dawnoncareers.com. And we are here with Absolutely Abby, who is on a mission to educate 1 million job seekers on how to get the job of their dreams. Just a few more things about Abby. She um, was rated as one of the top 100 influential people online by Fast Company Magazine. And absolutely, Abby was named as one of the top 100 websites for your career by Forbes. So, Abby, congratulations on that. Thank you very much. That was a great honor. <laughs> so can you can you remind our listeners where they can get that cover loader template, Abby? Absolutely. Just send an email to xm at absolutelyabby.com. Abby is spelled A-B-B-Y, no E. And I will Send also yep. I will mm-hmm. also repost that on my my Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. And hey, if you've got a question for Abby or any job seeking question that you've been dying to ask a recruiter, absolutely, Abby will give it to you straight. You can give us a call at eight four four Wharton. That's eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So, Abby, you wrote a book 
Um, it, uh, 101 job search secrets. And this is from your 22 years in recruiting. So one of the things I definitely want to talk about when we come back from the break is what are some of those most used secrets that get people in the door? Because just in case you're listening and you haven't read it, Abby's going to share a couple of those with you. But before we do that, we are going to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? Okay. Men and women who wear this are perceived as smart, successful, and independent. Men and women who wear this are perceived as smart, successful, and independent. Short one this week. Hey, but if you've been following the online news, this should be an easy one. So if you think you know, you can give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Michelle and Dion taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we are on Sirius XM Channel 111. We'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, Sirius XM. Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Michelle and Dia on the Dream Team. Hey, if you give us a call today, it's Michelle's birthday this weekend, so be sure to wish her well. Happy birthday, Michelle. Hey, we are here with Absolutely Abby. Absolutely Abby was named one of the top 100 websites for your career by Forbes in 2013, and Abby is on a mission to educate 1 million job seekers to help America get back to work using her 22 years of recruiting experience. So, Abby, very, very excited because um, on this segment of the show, we're going to talk about some of your Absolutely Abby's 101 Job Secrets to share with listeners who are in the job search and want to get a leg up on that. But before we get to that, we are going to answer our pre-break quiz. So, this week, the question was, men and women who wear this are perceived as smart, successful, and independent. Now, I've seen this in like my news feed over and over and over for the past two weeks, so I'm, I was just assuming everybody else was seeing it, but I was like just chatting with Dion on the break. Maybe I'm following very weird news feeds. <laughs> so, Dion, Dion, you know I'm coming to you first. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to say a watch. A watch. <gasps> <laughs> that was that was all right. I guess Dion and Michelle are out. <laughs> so we're gonna go to Christine in California. Christine, what's your answer? Welcome to Career Talk. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Glasses because, uh, that uh, people who wear glasses will presume that they're reading a lot. But I also have a question for my daughter. Oh, you know, okay. I'm an attorney, and uh, my daughter is in like graphic design. And I don't want to mention the employer she's working at, but she's thinking of moving. And I said, no, you have to stay there at least for an hour because if I'm hiring someone, I would never hire somebody who's job hopping. But then I was talking to another colleague of mine who is a graphic designer who went to Art Center. And he said, no, in our career, you have to move after a certain time. Otherwise, they don't... Uh, you don't advance in your career. Yep. So, so Christine, what, how long has your daughter been in her current job? Uh, about eight months. About eight months. And how old is your daughter? 26. 26. So, yeah, the interesting thing about um, about this is that this has, has all changed over the past decade or two. I mean, the average person stays in a job about 4.2 years. Millennials are staying in a job about half that. So that's become the norm. And moving around is not necessarily considered job hopping in the way it used to be considered job hopping. So, and yes, yeah, certainly in different professions, depending on what you're doing, um, 
staying a longer or shorter period of time is is absolutely acceptable. Now, one of the things that you'll hear is, especially generationally, so the millennials are moving around, especially early in their career, to kind of find their fit, to get a lot of different experiences and things of that nature. So um, eight months is maybe a little bit early. I mean, if she's, I, I would probably give it a little bit more time so that she can um, get some results and accomplishments. I mean, usually the first four to six months, you're you're spent learning the job. And then after that point, you can start to give back and, and do client work and do projects and get those accomplishments on your resume. But, you know, it's not unheard of that in, in you know, right after school that people are trying to feel out what's going to be best for them. Abby, what is your advice for Christine's daughter? Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And I think that it depends on if she's had another job before that. It's okay to leave a job early, but it would be really good if this is her first job to stay with it for at least a year just to build some stability and just stick it out a little bit longer. But, yes, I agree. She might have to leave to get to advance in her career, although she might be able to advance in her career in her current company. It really all depends on the situation. Yeah, but size of the company. Like a very interesting person. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, lots of things. Christine, first, thank you for um, for answering the question. Actually, glasses is a good guess, but not the right answer. Mm. Um, so sorry, Dion, how to do that? But <laughs> we also appreciate you calling Career Talk about about your daughter because yeah, this is something that has changed a lot, and I think people are going to see it more and more. And uh, as Abby said, you know, staying for a little bit longer to get those experiences, or if it's a big firm, maybe finding a new position within that firm to get those experience could be a good thing but I think uh, I think your 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 daughter starting to look is never a bad thing especially if she's building her network so thank you for giving us a call on career talk Christine hey we are here all hour if it's Thursday 844 Wharton that's 844-942-7866 so um Abby, you're going to have to save the day on this one. Men and women who wear this are perceived as smart, successful and independent. Do you have a guess? Uh, okay. I'm going to go with rings. Ooh, rings. What kind of rings? Uh, wedding rings? Nope. Mm. Wasn't rings either, <laughs> but I was just curious about <laughs> where you're. a wild guess. Yeah, I'm I a really psychologist, so I'm always thinking, hmm, this is interesting. Yeah, I really didn't believe that, but I just needed <laughs> to give you a guess. <laughs> okay. hanging, Dawn. No, I know. Okay. Okay. So here we go. I know. People who wear crazy colorful socks, like neon green or the ones that have gigantic oh. eyes, lobsters, or overfrosted cupcakes all over them, are telling the world they refuse to conform to social trends. There have been multiple studies published on crazy socks and what they say about our personalities. In fact, a study published in the Journal of Consumer Research investigated the theory that people confer higher status and competence to non-conforming rather than conforming individuals. In fact, science says wearing crazy socks may help us feel more courageous and more willing to take chances. So crazy sock wearing is now the hallmark of a champion and a boss. So boost your career. Go get some crazy socks. And we're going to go to Jennifer in New Hampshire. Jennifer, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you? Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I was just curious on some advice and tips if one was thinking about completely changing industries. Mm-hmm. So what do you do right now? I'm in sales, healthcare sales. Healthcare sales. And what are you looking to do, Jennifer? Well, I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> something so, different. So what makes you want to do something different? Um, really just because of the length of time and how things are changing in my industry. Mm-hmm. So is, are there certain aspects of um, your job, whether it's travel or the hours or, you know, different regulations that are changing that are just like, ah, eh, this isn't for me anymore? Yes. Um, a little bit of all of the above. <laughs> all um, of the above. <laughs> yeah, travel and regulations mainly. So it sounds like um, step one is really figuring out what you want to do. And I'm a very big fan of figuring out what I call your plan A. And that is a very specific 
target in terms of industry, geography, um, title, job responsibilities, because as, as Abby brought up before, that question of why is always going to be what seals the deal on a on a on an interview to get the offer. So it's really important that, that you, you know what you don't want to do. So now it's really important that you figure out what you do want to do. So are there aspects of your job that you really do enjoy right now? Yes. And what are those? Um, the people I work with, um, the peop- the customers that I call on, and uh, definitely the the excitement of the products that I sell. So you like the you like the products. Okay, you like working with customers and people. What about, you know, what about things like working at a desk versus being on the road? Those types of things. I definitely enjoy being on the road, the flexibility that that allows. Okay. Um, so do you have a lot of autonomy in your job, Jennifer? Uh, somewhat, yes. And, and is that something you enjoy or you want more direction, more more input? Uh, no, I enjoy the autonomy for sure. Okay. So, so I mean, even just in these 60 seconds, we got a, a lot of things. You, you want to be with people. You want to be at customers. You don't want to be confined to a desk. You want to be out there on the road having some autonomy over what you're doing. It sounds like, um, you know, you, you may be like closing the deal, like, you know, seeing that, that tangible accomplishment piece of it. So based on all of those things, I think you've got a pretty good start about thinking, where do I want to go next? Abby, um, why don't you chime in here? Yeah, well, I think that if I were in sales in one industry, I would try to figure out what it is that I do want to sell. So if you're in the healthcare realm, you might be in medical device, you might be in pharmaceuticals. I've done a lot of recruiting in the pharmaceutical industry, and it's wonderful. But I think that a lot of people that get out of the pharmaceutical industry find it to be less exciting when they get into other industries because they, they realize that they used to love calling on doctors. They didn't realize what they had until they didn't have it. So you really, really want to make sure that you figure out what your interest is before you pick the sales position. It sounds like you're loving sales, and that's great. Sales is a wonderful career. It's actually one of the most lucrative careers. So great job for choosing that. But you just now have to figure out what products you want to sell, and that's the next name of the game. And then once you figure it out, you can tell the recruiters why you want to do it. So that's it. So, um, Jennifer, if you think about your friends or colleagues or people you know, like, is there anybody who has a job where you're like, oh, that job seems so cool? Um, yeah. So, okay. So one of the places you might want to start is with those individuals to say like, all right, let me find out more about this job. Let me find out what's the day to day like, because one of the things that obviously we're, we're doing in a very short amount of time is I'm really trying to dig into the pieces of your job that you like so that you can rebuild that into where you want to go. So you like the autonomy, the people you like um, being on the road. So you, you know, you talk to your friend who has a really cool job and you find out, oh man, that job has none of those things. That's probably not a direction I want to go. Or you talk to a friend and those jo- that job has all of those things. Okay, so maybe this is one that I want to explore a little bit more. But I think that's going to be your next step is really thinking about what you do day in and day out at a very foundational level and saying, do I like this? Yes. Do I like this? No. And kind of mapping that out. And then I think once you have that, talking to the people who you know in your network, your colleagues, former colleagues, former um you know, people you went to school with, things of that nature, just to say, yeah, I just really want to learn about what you do. What, what are the aspects of your job? Do you travel a lot? Do you have autonomy? You know, what do you like? What do you don't like? Because I think it's an exploration process. And one of the things I tell people is data is great and you can you can really lose yourself online. But when you go talk to people, when you try things on, clarity comes through action. There's going to be a feeling that you get when you find that right thing. And you're going to you're going to see that pattern emerge. Every time I hear this, I get excited. Every time I hear that that type of role, I get excited. And that's going to be when you know where you're, you're going to go next. So I think that's your next steps. I think the great part about being in sales is that your skill set is phenomenal. You are, you can work with people, you can negotiate, you can influence. I mean, you've got transferable skills out the yin yang. So you're going to have a lot of options. Jennifer, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Hey, if it's Thursday, we are here live 
taking your calls all hour, 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. And we're all wearing crazy socks because it boosts our career. That's the that's the goal of today, Abby. So we are here with Absolutely Abby, who has offered our listeners a very, very great promotion on cover letters. Hey, if you hate cover letters, and Abby, I have to say, I was checking out your website, and you have an online poll, and I love online polls, so I took your online poll, and the online poll was <laughs> the least favorite job search phase. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test Dion and, and Michelle because it's, it's fun, and we're a team. Um, cover letters came in second as the least favorite job search phase, very, very far behind this. What do you guys think is... According to Absolutely Abby's poll on her website, the least favorite job search phase. And it's not cover letters because that's number two. Applications? Applications. Interviews. Interviews. You're both wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's really great that we work on this show. (laughs) Hey, I learned a lot too. I'd never get a job. (laughs) (laughs) You guys can never leave me. I'm so happy. (laughs) It was waiting. Waiting is the hardest part. Okay, got it. Waiting. And that's actually, Abby, what I voted for. I voted for waiting. Um, But it's crazy that it's almost like three times in terms of the response rate, the least favorite part. So, Abby, how can you get over the the waiting? What can you be doing while, I mean, because the job search requires a lot of waiting. Oh, yeah. Well, what you got to do. There's so many things you can do, but one thing you should probably do is go out and get a volunteer job because that's going to get you something to do maybe every day, maybe every week, something to look forward to. That's going to help build your resume. It's going to help build your references. It's going to help you network. That can help you with the waiting, but also applying for more jobs than you think you need to apply for. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are looking at it as the 80s where we used to open up the newspaper and pick out about a bunch of jobs, apply for them, and expect to get a job in two months. It's not like that anymore. So you're applying for a lot of jobs and doing a lot of waiting. Man, Abby, I love the 80s. I'm just going to tell you, aside from what you just said, the 80s rule. (laughs) What a good time. Crazy socks in the 80s. So, (laughs) I mean, obviously, this is a great time. I grew up in the 80s, too. Yeah, yeah. The music was awesome, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just can't say enough good things. So sorry to derail you, but but I agree. That's right. <laughs> Putting lots of <laughs> eggs in different baskets, put, applying to a lot of jobs. I think you hit the nail on the head with that, Abby, because if you have that one, you're like, this is it. This is the match. This is this is my destiny. Um, you know, you're putting all that energy into one and you're neglecting all these other possibilities. And then you might get there in the interview and it might be like, what? This was not at all what I expected it to be. Or the hiring manager is a jerk. And you're like, I can never work for somebody like that. So I totally agree. If you want to get past the waiting, take action. Keep acting. Every every you know, moment you can network, you know, do some more research, work on your resume, get in the the flow of that so that you're not waiting on anyone. Bridget in Colorado, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Yes. So I'm an employer. I own a recycling company and I've had a heck of a time in the last five years um, keeping a driver in a certain area um, picking up recycling. And so I'm interviewing three people in the next half an hour. Ooh. And I wondered if you guys could give me maybe questions that Um, It would help me in my gut go, okay, this is a great person. They all have the same driving skills, right? But I'm looking for that star train and then move up in the company. And how the heck do I find that? Um, And so that's my question. Yes. And if you're driving and you're on your way to an interview, you might might get the interview questions right now. I love that question. I love real time, Bridget. Okay. So um, I'm going to throw this over to Abby. What is that one question that... um, you know, you can dig into and get that to that that why, that motivation that this person doesn't just want a job but wants this job, Abby. Probably just to ask them exactly why they're looking for this job. And don't just ask the question. Read their body language. And you can do this very easily. Just look into their eyes. Look at how they are expressing themselves. Look at their hand gestures. See if they're really interested in the job. And then ask them, what they think they would like to do in the next five years. Just directly ask that question. Where do you see yourself in five years? It's a very common question. 
But the reason we ask it is because we really want to understand, do you plan to be in my company in five years or do you plan to go start your own driving business, right? So ask them, where do you plan to be in five years? And from their answer, you might be able to tell whether they're going to be in your company. Mm-hmm. I love that answer. And, and yeah, Bridget, something you said is really important. Trust your gut. This is the interesting thing to me, having been in the recruiter world, um, as well as the psychology world for so long, is that we have all this data and facts and resumes and, you know, all of these checkboxes and maybe assessments and everything. But at the end of the day, hiring managers will always hire on their gut. Always, always, always. So, yeah, you need all that stuff to get in the door, but they'll always hire in their gut. Here's a question that um, you might want to ask as well. You know, if, hey, if you don't get this position, what will you do? Um, because, you know, this, that's a hard question. I don't know if you've ever been asked that before, but, um, you know, you, you really can't make up an answer to these types of questions. And that's what you really want to ask questions that you can't prepare for. Or, you know, another question I really like, you know, people like to ask about strengths and weaknesses and blah, blah, blah. And of course, you can prepare and make up stuff for that. But I like to, you know, instead of asking that, I like to say, you know, I have a copy of the job description and I hand, I, you know, push it over. I said, instead of saying, what's your weakness? I say, what on this job description is going to give you the most trouble and why? Um, or I might ask, you know, what what kind of gaps is this job going to fill in for you? Just to kind of get a sense of those those answers you're looking for, Bridget, that you can't necessarily prepare for as a candidate. So I'm so excited. I hope you call us back next week and let us know how it goes because I I want to be there now. So Bridget, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. We are taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Or you can tweet to at Dr. Don Graham on Twitter. Michelle answers. Her birthday's this weekend. Happy birthday, Michelle. Jason in Virginia, thank you for calling us. How can we help you? Hi. Um, I have a job interview tomorrow. Yes. And I'm currently in an account manager role uh, with a small restaurant consulting company. And I'm trying to move into the IT field. Uh, and the interview is for a customer success manager uh, with a IT startup. Um, so basically, I'm just trying to figure out best way to highlight transferable skills because it's not really in my wheelhouse. But the customer aspect is, but the IT side is not. Okay, so sorry. So you're looking your job you're applying for is the customer success in an IT startup, and your your current job is is. Can you tell us one more time, Jason? Uh, uh, hospitality consulting. Okay. So working so, with customers and that. Yeah, still working with customers, so that transfers. Um, but I just want to be able to highlight, yes, I will be a good fit for this, even though I don't have the customer success manager background. Mm-hmm. That is kind of a, a newish field. The new, customer success. That's a that's a great title because, you know, no matter what you do, you, you already have the word success in your title. Um, okay. So... Here's the thing. One thing you want to do is break down the hospitality, consulting, and customer success into its basic components. And I suspect there's a lot of overlap between that because any job that requires you to interact with human beings require a lot of skills that are transferable. Um, so it's it's the IT piece that, that you feel like you're kind of missing, Jason? Uh, a little bit. just because I, And it's also kind of starting the department. They don't ha- really have anybody. They have... Um, IT people and support people helping out customers, but they're trying to build this. Got it. Okay, so we're going to do real-time coaching, me and Abby, right now for you. You're going to get two recruiters who are going to give you real-time feedback. So we're going to ask you, um, Jason, why do you want this job and and what do you think is going to make you successful in it? Um, I'm struggling to come up with that answer as well. (laughs) I started writing it out last night, and I'm like, uh, how do I say this? Got it. No, I know. And we put you on the spot in, in front of all of North America. No, Abby, um, this is what you do best. Give give Jason some coaching real time. Sure. Well, Jason, the first thing I would do is I would go crazy investigating, researching the IT industry. Just learn everything you can possibly learn about the industry, the buzzwords in particular, so that you sound like you know what you're talking about. You sound like you have a passion for the IT. You said that you wanted to get into IT. So already you have an interest in it, but why? So if you got to read all the articles about IT, all the things, read Microsoft stuff, read Apple stuff, read everything you can read about the IT industry before that interview 
so that you feel like you're intelligent in that area. You feel like you're well-versed in that area, and then you'll have a much better time answering their questions. If they say why, you can say, well, I've always wanted to get into IT. I learned that this and this. You can speak about things that you've just learned. If you remember them all, that'll be a great thing for you to do. And that's really the best way to do it, except to, like Dawn said, just write out the skills that are transferable, and that's good. You can talk about, well, I used to do this, and now I believe this is very similar to this. But just remember that if they called you in for an interview, it's because they also believe that you're qualified for the job. They're not going to call you in just to call you in. Mm -hmm. They believe they saw something on your resume that makes them think, wow, this could be a great person for us, even though he doesn't have the IT. Yep. So don't worry about it. Confidence about breeds it. confidence, Jason. And here's what, I, here's what I'll tell you as a hiring manager and, and somebody who hires non-traditional candidates regularly. What I want to know is that I'm not going to have to hold your hand and that when I hire you and bring you on, that the team is going to see you as, you know, somebody they can respect, that partner with, collaborate with, that you're going to be a positive influence to the team, that you're going to roll up your sleeves and dig in, that you're not going to be in my office every 10 seconds and say, how do I do this? How do I do this? So if you can go in there and convince them that you are the guy who's going to figure it out and be resourceful and, you know, as Abby said, show them those transferable skills that you bring, you are going to win them over. So good luck. Call us back. We'd love to hear how it goes, Jason. Hey, if you are listening, we're taking your calls all hour with Absolutely Happy, 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. Joe in Missouri. Welcome to Career Talk. Hey, Dr. Graham. Thanks for my call. Uh, big fan of your uh, content and the show and everything. Thanks, Joe. I, um, had a, yeah, I had a quick question. Uh, earlier, we were speaking about the toughest part of the application process being uh, the waiting game after the you know the process concludes, and that's right where I find myself right now. I've been um, interviewing for about a month and a half for uh, a promotion of sorts with my current company. Uh, interview, final interview was earlier this week, and now I'm playing that waiting game. And what I specifically wanted to ask you about was uh, the timeline of follow following up. Yes. After the the process has concluded, from a, you know like a thank you standpoint and everything. Yep. Whether that be emails, you know, if you think people are still handwriting, thinking notes, things yep. of that nature. So I can listen up the air, but I want to get your take. Awesome question, Joe, and one that a lot of people have. So here's the here's the deal. I'm just going to go through this quick because we're at the the tail end of the show, and I know this is an important question. So um, first off, you should know that recruiting moves at a glacial pace. So what's moving in your world at 100 miles an hour in, in a company, they're dealing with whatever their day-to-day issues are, and, try, and people are on vacation doing all this stuff. So it can feel like forever. But in terms of thank you notes, I'm going to say, hands down, email thank you note is very appropriate because um, you just don't know know how the internal mail works and if they're ever going to get it. I mean, you know, these big companies. Um, so I say email is perfectly fine now. Yes, the handwritten note is is a nice follow-up, but I think you can get it done with the email. Just make sure it's personalized. Make sure that when you're in there talking to people, you take some notes and um, you give them something that's personalized versus the traditional, thank you for your time. I'm really excited about the job. So, Joe, thank you so much for calling us on Career Talk. Abby, the hour has flown by. And as we close out, I'd love for you to give us one of the best tips from your book, Absolutely Abby's 101 Job Search Secrets. All right. Here you go, everybody. Here we go. Where? Where? a color, a swatch of the color of the logo of the company that you're going in to interview with. What that does is that says subliminally to the company, I'm already on your team. So if you can't wear the exact color of their logo, like for example, if you're going to interview at Walmart, you don't want to wear red because that's the opposite. That's Target's color. That's the enemy for Walmart. I love don't it. Don't wear the opposite color if you can't wear the exact color. I love it. And wear crazy socks. Abby, this has been awesome. How can people reach you? People can reach me by sending me an email to xm at absolutelyabby.com. When you write to me, please tell me where you're located. Most of the callers that have called in are in states that I have never been to. And I would love to come talk to your job search groups, your clubs, your churches, your temples, your YMCAs, your schools, wherever. Just invite me to come speak and I will come. SM at absolutelyabby.com. Abby, thank you so much for your wisdom. 
throughout the hour. Um, and also for the offer to our listeners, we love that. Hey, Deanna and Michelle, you guys rock. You make this so much more fun. Michelle, have a fabulous birthday this weekend. And thank you to all of our listeners and callers. You make this show awesome. You've been listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. And we'll catch you next time.